Galatians 5, verse 1 to 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit we eagerly await for faith and right faith, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching this preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Thank you. Thanks, Akrit. That's a pretty harsh note to finish on, isn't it? Emasculate themselves. It'd be really helpful for you to have a Bible with you. Uh, I'll put some passages up on share screen, um, but uh, if you've got one with you, that's, that'll help you a lot. And uh, the handout, the sort of worksheet for today is on the chat. If you can have that available, that will help you enormously as well, either printed or just on your screen. Um, so today we're thinking about what do we do when Christians disagree? I presume that most of you are aware that Christians do disagree. Uh, that's partly why we've got so many different Christian denominations. Uh, churches have split one from another because Christians have disagreed. And I think for some of us, when we came to uni, we had this sort of uh, maybe unpleasant uh, experience of meeting other Christians, either in the Christian Union or elsewhere, that believed different things to us. Um, we've grown up either in our family or our church or amongst friends with a, with a, a take on Christianity, our understanding of it. And it can be unsettling when we meet people who disagree, who seem to see things differently, especially when we say we're working from the same Bible. Um, and I think many of us have had the experience as well of personally having disagreements and arguments with other Christians. And sometimes we've less, left that with a sort of bad taste in our mouth. What, why is this happening? Why do we have to sort of disagree? Surely, surely we should be more united than that. Others of us leave with a different sort of taste, a victory. We think we've won. The, the argument has gone our way. At least that's how we interpret it. And uh, we're looking for the next argument. Uh, when can we have it? Trying to look for Christians that we disagree with. And that raises loads of questions for most of us, I think. Is it ever right to disagree with someone else? Is it necessary? Uh, can we disagree and still get on with each other, still be part of the same church or the same Christian union, still be friends? Can we disagree and still work together uh, in serving Jesus? Well, today we want to explore that from one particular angle, and I hope you'll leave today both with an aversion to disagreeing, except when it's needed, and uh, some sort of tools on how to disagree well by understanding what matters really matter. So that's really how we're going to approach it. So to get us thinking, if you've got the worksheet there, you'll see uh, I've just put a table with 20 statements that Christians might disagree on. We might agree, we might disagree. Uh, has everyone got access to that? Any thumbs up? Good. I'll screen share so that um, others can see it if you haven't got it. Uh, if I can find. Okay. So can you see that on the screen share? 
I want to give you about three or four minutes just to read through those 20 statements. And down the left-hand side, put a T for true or an F for false or a question mark if you just haven't got a clue. Okay, so if you believe they're true, put a T. If you believe they're false, put an F. If you don't know, put a question mark. So give your time just to work through that on your own for a couple of minutes. Okay, that's one minute gone, um, one minute left. All right, I'm going to stop the screen share for the moment because uh, I need to break us into breakout rooms. So what I want to do now is just break us into a lot of rooms. So hopefully you're just with one other person. If you've never met, introduce yourself. And I want you just to quickly work out whether you disagree on any of those 20 statements where one of you has true and the other has false. Don't worry about question marks for the moment. Just see if you can find one or two that you might disagree on. And then uh, I want you to just think about one of those and try and gently persuade the other person to your understanding, to your belief. Make sense? I say gently. I want you to do it very gently. And I want you to listen to each other uh, on the things that you disagree on. If you can't find something you disagree on, find something that you're both unsure of and discuss it. So does that make sense? Compare your answers, find one you disagree on, and gently try and persuade each other. Now, it's going to be random. And there'll be two, uh, two or maybe three in each room. Here we go. Uh, I've done too many. Ah. Uh.
Everyone else must be arguing. Yep, everybody else must be arguing viciously. <laughs> There's gonna be blood and tears when they come there. Uh, <laughs> we agreed too much. We did. Sorry if you got left out of a room for a minute. Um, I was a bit slow getting them all organised and I had to move a couple of people around. Um, yeah, are they, which ones did you disagree on? Can we just have a show of hands? Maybe uh, I'll read out, I'll make, I'll call some numbers and see if you might have disagreed on it. So did anybody disagree on number two? No, anybody disagree on number nine? Ah, okay, so some disagreed on that. Uh, anybody disagree on number seven? Come on, there must be some disagreements on that one. Because churches certainly have lots of different practices on it. Okay, anybody disagree on number 14? Yeah, some there as well. Okay. Well, there might have been some others. I hope you had a good discussion. I hope you're friends and not enemies after that. So we want to think about when is it appropriate to disagree? Because it's clear that we do have some disagreements. Um, and uh, what I want to do now is firstly help us to see that different beliefs have different weight or importance. So you can see straight under the table, there are three statements all about Jesus and his death. First one, Jesus died for our sins. Second, Jesus was crucified by Roman officials. Third, Jesus was crucified when he was 35 years old. Now, my guess is just as we read those, certainly the first one and the third one seem of different importance. Is that right? That is, if Jesus didn't die for our sins, that makes a huge difference to my life. If Jesus was 34 and not 35 when he died, I feel like that will make no difference to my life. That makes sense? But I presume for both of them, and all three of them, in fact, there is actually truth and there's error. But some error matters more than other error. It makes a difference. And so what we're going to do is think about the ways in which there are, if you like, different weight, different importance to different beliefs. And the Bible, I think, as I read it, has three categories. And we're going to use those circles. And I'm going to use uh, PowerPoint uh, slides. So I'm going to screen share. Um, okay. Everyone see the screen? Yep, some nods. Good. Uh, so it seems that the Bible teaches some beliefs are essential to being Christian. Essential in the sense that if you disagree with them, if you don't believe it, then you're not Christian. So here's an example from Galatians chapter 1. Paul writes to the Galatians and he says that even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Now, if you read more of Galatians, you'll see that what, what Paul has particularly uh, got his eye on here is whether we're saved by God's grace through faith or saved by our works. And Paul says, if we believe we're saved by works, that is a different gospel. And that different gospel is not only wrong, it will take you to hell. Those who preach it deserve, they are under God's curse. That is, they will be condemned for preaching it. So it seems for Paul, that's an essential belief. It's not something that it's okay to disagree on. Um, to be Christian, you have to believe the true gospel. Or to give another example, in uh, 1 John chapter 4, uh, John says, this is how we recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that doesn't acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That's the spirit of antichrist. Now, it's very black and white, isn't it? If you acknowledge that Jesus 
I take it what he's saying is Jesus is the Messiah who really became a human. He didn't, he wasn't just a ghost. He wasn't just a divine being who, who floated around. Uh, he really did become the, the human Jesus Christ. And John is saying, if you don't believe that, and if you teach something different, then that's the spirit of Antichrist. You are not Christian. You're outside of Christian faith and of salvation. Or another example, 1 Corinthians 15, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and if you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, then we are still in our sins. We aren't saved. Now, these aren't the only beliefs, but this category of essential is throughout the Bible. There are things that you must believe to be a Christian. It's not an infinitely flexible um, set of beliefs. And so you can see those concentric circles there. A way of just trying to picture this is that in the centre of these concentric circles, as we think about our beliefs, there are some things which are essential. You must believe to be a Christian. If you disagree, if you don't believe, then you can't pretend to be a Christian just with different beliefs. We can't pretend they are Christians. They just happen to have a different point of view. And it seems clear from what Paul and Jesus and John say is that at that point we have to divide. We can't be in the same church together because we disagree on things that are essential to being Christian. Either they're not Christian and we are, or we aren't and they're not. Uh, they are. It can't be both because these are essential beliefs. So that's one really critical category that the Bible teaches. Any questions or comments about that category before we move on? Okay, let's uh, go to the next category, which is the other end of the spectrum, the unimportant. Um, I wonder, if you're with us at public meeting about three weeks ago, we looked at Romans chapters 14 and some of 15. I want you to turn to Romans 14 and just read for yourself verses 1 to 9. I'm not going to comment on it. I'm just going to let you read that. And then we'll move on to some other verses that say similar sorts of things. So if you've got a Bible, Romans chapter 9, sorry, chapter 14, verses 1 to 9. Okay, I hope you saw in that passage that Paul says there are some things don't even have arguments about because it doesn't matter. It actually is trivial. It's unimportant. So if you go back to the screen share, you'll see later on in that same passage, Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what food you eat or don't eat. Um, or as he puts it in, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, was a man already circumcised when he was called when he became a Christian? Don't be uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? Don't be circumcised because circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. 
God doesn't mind. It's not important to him. It's keeping God's commands that count. Well, 1 Corinthians 8, picking up, same sort of idea as 14. Food doesn't bring us near to God. We're no worse off if we do not eat, no better off if we do eat. So we might have disagreements about what sort of food is better for Christians to eat and what, what food shouldn't you eat. And the Bible says that's unimportant. Don't even have arguments about it. You can discuss it, but never break fellowship or friendship. Never have an escalated argument about it. It just isn't worth it because although there's still right and wrong, but that is some, some people will be right and wrong, it's, it's an unimportant matter. It's a trivial issue. So don't argue. The next category, sorry, so on the outside we've got unimportant. But there's another category, and this is the harder one to work with, which is the important. So important is something which uh, isn't essential for being Christian, but is important for living a healthy, God-honouring Christian life. If you get it wrong, you're still Christian. But if you get it wrong, it will damage you and damage others and misrepresent God. So here's an example in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Remember, we've already seen it's essential to believe in Jesus' resurrection. But in Corinth, Paul says, if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? That is, we won't be resurrected. Now, I want you to notice that Paul doesn't say that because they don't believe in their own resurrection, they probably believe in something like the immortality of your soul. Paul doesn't say that makes you not a Christian. They're Christians, they're brothers and sisters, they're, they still believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But he spends a whole chapter trying to persuade them that they will be resurrected. It's a belief that matters. It's a belief that will change how they live their lives now, whether they believe that they'll be resurrected or not. So that belief in Paul's mind is an important belief, but not an essential belief. Give you another example. Again, from 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, he's talking about idolatry and visiting idol temples. And he says, my friends, flee from idolatry. Consider the people of Israel. Don't those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Thinking about, uh, that's thinking about the, um, uh, the pagans around them. Do I mean that food sacrifice to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to be participants with demons. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You can't have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. So what's happening is some of the Corinthians are frequenting the pagan temples and they know that the idols are nothing. They're not worshipping at some real thing. And so they, they boldly go and they're there for the, and take part in some of the things that are happening there. Now, Paul doesn't say, you're not a Christian because you've done that. But he does say, stop doing it. It's an important behavior. That will damage you. You will cause the Lord to be jealous. So again, it's something which is important, but is not essential. Um, so I hope you've seen uh, those categories. So let's try and get back to our sort of target. That means as we think about beliefs that we have and other people have that the Bible teaches, there are these three categories of essential, important, and unimportant. And it's really important to differentiate between those three. So if I disagree with somebody on something that is important, I need to recognize that doesn't make them not a Christian. They're a Christian brother or sister. So I shouldn't break fellowship over it. I shouldn't push them out and divide from them. But what I should do, if it's important, is discuss it with them. Go back to the Bible, get our Bibles out, and try and work out what the Bible is teaching. Because one of us is wrong. Maybe both of us are wrong. And if it's important and we're wrong, it will damage us and damage others. Now, when we disagree on important things, we shouldn't break fellowship, but it often does mean, I think, that it's more difficult to work together. 
there's sort of impaired fellowship unless we can come to agreement on it, unless we can be persuaded from the scriptures what is true. So there's those three categories. Now, I think Patrick put a question up earlier, but because I'm screen sharing, I can't read it. Let me just see if I can find it. Um, Patrick asked, what about the people who agree on essential but say dodgy stuff on other stuff? Uh, That's what I'm trying to address at the moment, Patrick. Do you want to come back on that? I think you just answered it, so yeah, it's all good. Great. Okay. Thanks. So let's, yeah, uh, it's worth just noting there's two broad sorts of issues. Doctrine, that is things we believe about Jesus, about God, about us, and morals, the behavior that flows from it. Um, and so if you look at the, the list that we're working through earlier, the first one is doctrine. Jesus rose physically from the dead. The third one is morals. It's wrong for Christians to drink alcoholic drinks. Um, And it's it's helpful just to differentiate those things as we think about which category our beliefs fit into. So I'm going to give you an exercise again. Uh, In the the two right-hand columns of that table, you'll see space just to write down what the issue is. Is it moral or doctrine? And then the particular issue is. So the first one, it's a doctrinal issue. And the, the issue is, did Jesus, what is Jesus' resurrection? The second one is doctrinal. It's what was Jesus' work? The third one is moral. And the issue is Christians drinking alcohol. Okay. So what I want to do is very quickly work out the issue. But more importantly, do the right-hand column. Is this belief or the issue essential, important, or unimportant. So I'm going to give you three or four minutes just to work through that on your own. I'll screen share um, the table again, just in case you haven't got it in front of you. Tim, I'm just wondering, um, don't all moral issues at some point become doctrine issues or stem from doctrine issues? Yeah, they flow from doctrine issues, yeah. But we we tend to to, uh, discuss them as moral issues. Um, And so it's helpful to just make that different category, even though they integrate, I think. Thanks, Jacinda. Helpful question. Thanks. Okay, just 20 more seconds to work on those. See if you can get down to at least number 14. Okay, I'm going to put you back into your pairs just for a couple of minutes. I want you to compare the category you put each statement into See if you can find one where you disagree. Okay, so let's go into breakout rooms. Here we go.
Um, Tim, some of us are still not in breakout rooms. Oh, what's happened? <laughs> Eunice, you're supposed to be in 12. I wonder yeah, what's happened. Yeah, we don't, have the, we don't have the option to go into a breakout room. Okay, just talk together as a group then now. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like some random people in the breakout room by yeah. themselves. <laughs> okay. Uh, although we've run out of time, probably. Um, sorry about that. I don't know how that happened. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Did that happen the first time as well? No. Okay. Um, Zoom is not always helping. Sorry about that. Good. Okay, we're coming back together. Okay, now I, I know it's just gone, it's after quarter to two. Um, we started a bit late. Are you happy just to do two more minutes? And then we'll finish. Thanks. Well, what do we do with this? Let's think about um, the implications. The first clearly is just being careful to get it right ourselves. I don't just mean get every belief right, but get the category right. Because if I don't ask myself, what category is this belief? Is this essential, important or unimportant? I'll often get into anxiety and difficulties and disagreements I don't need to get into, and I shouldn't get into. Um, and so uh, lots of things you can't avoid having some belief about, like what sort of food to eat, should we drink alcohol, should we have elders in churches? You, you can't avoid a belief, but you've got to work out whether it matters or not. The second is in relationship with others, and this is really where the, the, the cutting edge is. Now, if you find yourself disagreeing with another Christian on a particular belief, always ask yourself, what category is it? Because if it's in the unimportant trivial, then it's not worth wasting their time and your time, your mental energy and theirs, trying to work it out. You don't have to persuade each other. Feel free to disagree. It won't matter. But if it's important, then maybe it normally will matter to try and work that out. If it's essential, you've got to work it out. You can't ignore it. But it, the more complicated thing is when you disagree on the category. So let me give you a scenario, which is in the New Testament. Some people think that Christians should be circumcised. They are circumcised. Uh, but they think it's unimportant. Other Christians believe it's essential to be circumcised. That is, they believe the same thing, but they put it in different categories. Some say it's unimportant. Others say it's essential. You must be circumcised to be a Christian. And being in a different category, that changes the whole ballgame. Because as soon as you put something into the category of essential, that isn't essential biblically then you've changed what it means to be a Christian. So the passage that we started this with, Galatians chapter uh, 5, Paul says circumcision is nothing. Um, but um, if, you, uh, if you believe it's, it really matters, then other Christians must resist getting circumcised. You, you know it means nothing, but to get circumcised is to give in to a false teaching, a false essential. And so you mustn't do it. And so one of the, the most important things to do as you're disagreeing with other Christians is work out whether you've got that issue in the same category or different categories. If it's in different categories, you've got a real problem you've got to resolve. You've got to work it out. So it's not just do you agree on the belief, it's what category you put it into. So I hope that will help you. It means that Christians sometimes need to make disagreement explicit and talk it through. And with God's help, prayerfully, humbly, search the scriptures to see what is true, what God teaches. Other issues, 
it doesn't matter if we agree or disagree because they're not important. And so what I've tried to give you is a tool that you can use whenever you find yourself in disagreement with another Christian. What category does it belong to? And if you can work that out and work out if you're putting them in the same category or different categories, that will help you have productive disagreements that uh, lead you hopefully towards unity on the things that matter, especially the things that are essential. Um, but to agree to disagree on things that don't matter and not let that affect your friendship and fellowship and working together. And that's, that's essential in churches. It's also really, really important in Christian union because we do come from all these different places and we believe different things and we've got different convictions. We've got to work out what categories those different beliefs are. Is it worth disagreeing or just saying, yeah, we disagree, but I don't mind. It doesn't affect anything. So I hope that's been helpful for you as you think about how we relate and how we build our fellowship in Jesus and in the work of the gospel. Let me stop there. Feel free to leave. I'm just going to hang around for a bit. If you've got questions or comments you want to wrestle with further, I'll stay and do it. But let's pray before we do that. Father, we thank you that you give us some ways of thinking about beliefs and convictions uh, that can help us work together and also help us resolve things, have disagreements in a healthy way. Father, we ask that you would remove uh, our egos in this, give us a desire for unity, a willingness to talk and discuss, and the wisdom to know when to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so feel free to leave. I'll hang around a bit uh, and uh, just have some more time for questions and comments. So if you want to ask anything, um, Jeremy's put something in chat. Is our understanding of disagreeing with Christians essential or important? Uh, it's certainly important, I think. Yeah. Can it be essential? Like you just said, um, um, if... Christians believe, for example, circumcision, you have to be circumcised, otherwise you're not a Christian. Yeah, it depends whether you're asking, is, is these categories, is the concept of having different categories of unimportant, important, essential, essential um, or not? Um, I don't think it's essential that all of us are aware of the categories. Um, uh, but uh, if I'm not aware of them, uh, it helps to become aware of them. So the awareness of the categories, the belief in them, I guess, becomes an important belief. I don't think an essential belief. Yeah. But Tim, if a church started saying that this threefold distinction is a necessary prerequisite for salvation, I take it then it would yeah, become... That, that's, I'm saying, yeah, so then they're putting yeah. it in the essential category. I'm just saying it's in the important category. We've got that category... Uh, confusion and disagreement, and that really has to be worked out. Thanks, Ben. Perhaps it's already been covered, but um, how do you decide if something is which category it's in, or how do you talk to someone if you yeah, think so? Um, I think I've got to work out biblically how it's treated in the Bible. So um, it, it, one of the things that's really helpful to recognise that most of the letters in the New Testament are written about those three categories and it differentiates. So in 1 John, John is saying people who disagree on these matters like Jesus, who he, who he really is and was, aren't Christians. But, uh, and so he treats them as, as not Christians. Uh, but most of Paul's letters, for example, and Peter's letters, when he's correcting people, he's often treating them as Christians who are wrong on something important. And so many of the, the topics that, say, a book like 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, um, uh, Colossians, Philippians, uh, they're about issues that are important. Paul thinks... It matters to correct people, but he, he's not treating them as not Christian because they need correcting. 
therefore it fits into the category of important. And then in some parts of those letters, like 1 Corinthians 8 to 10, Romans 14, 15, um, there's clear teaching that these things are unimportant. Um, so it, it, if I go to the scriptures, it's usually not difficult to work out what, what category any question fits into by the way the Bible treats them. Um, Tim, oh, sorry, it's just post a question. I'll go after. Thank you. Um, thanks, Sinclair. Uh, so her question is, can an important teaching become essential in terms of distinguishing someone as a Christian or not Christian? Um, uh, not if I'm trying to distinguish it on the basis of their beliefs. So I take it that you can be wrong on, uh, on some beliefs and still be Christian, and I shouldn't, um, uh, I shouldn't reject you as a Christian just because you disagree on something important. Um, uh, it, it does get a little bit tricky when it comes to some of the moral issues, I think. Um, so, uh, so for example, if I've, um, uh, if I've been, uh, a, a, a greedy person, that is, I, my life is driven by greed and I steal, does that disqualify me from being Christian? No, not not in itself, but if I decide I will continue in that lifestyle, it does. And so when it comes to issues of morals, there's a persistence in disobedience that does mean I'm not a Christian. And sometimes that's justified by beliefs. I don't believe, I don't really believe it's wrong uh, to steal, you know, on my tax or on uh, other ways. Um, but um, uh, Paul is quite clear that if we continue in that, that lifestyle, we put ourselves outside the kingdom. So there, there is something about um, my wrong belief sometimes or wrong action being a sign of an unrepentant heart. And so it's a, a, a repentant heart is essential uh, in morals. Uh, and so if I have a persistent unrepentant heart, then it becomes, in a sense, an essential thing. But that's that's not so much in the category of belief, but of practice. Does that make some sense? Okay, thanks. Um, Laura, if we're in a situation where we disagree with someone on essential matters, but we both claim to be Christian, how do we respond lovingly? I take it we, we love them by trying to persuade them that they're wrong um, because... It, it is a matter of their salvation. We need to do it in a way that is not just arrogant. So they might be right and I might be wrong. Um, and so I need to, to allow the possibility that is true. Um, but if, if the Bible is clear on the matter, then I need to stand on what the Bible does clearly teach. Um, and so to lovingly respond is to warn them. And I, I take it in the... Uh, uh, it includes if that if there is no change that i uh, i i'll use a technical term i break fellowship with them it doesn't mean i break friendship with them i never talk to them again it means i don't treat them as a christian brother or sister because in treating them as that i'm confusing them i'm saying at one in one one hand that they're not a christian they need to come to truth and on the other hand, I'm saying, you are a Christian. I'll accept you as a brother. We've got to be consistent and lovingly break fellowship with them, partly to uh, help them realise the seriousness of this belief and our disagreement. So I think that's how, I, in principle, that's how I'd want to do it. What would it look like to break fellowship? Um, I think it means, for example, I... I wouldn't be able to pray with them. I wouldn't welcome them as a Christian. I'd welcome them as a non-Christian. Um, 
uh, and uh, that's a it's a dynamic thing. It's a relational thing where it's not easy to say this is precisely what it means in behaviour. I've got to work out the principle um, in the sort of dynamic of the friendship and relationship with them. That makes sense. Um, one more question. Um, hypothetically, if um, that person is somebody who has um, been in the church, you know them, how... I imagine that would be difficult to change yeah. um, the, the, the fellowship that you have with them and yeah. them with others. Yeah, so um, sometimes it really helps to do something uh, uh, institutional and formal. So some churches, I think, helpfully have a process of, um, uh, of breaking fellowship, of um, discommunicating. Um, and so that everyone knows what is going on and there isn't um, confusion by ignorance. Uh, yeah, it's a very difficult thing. I, I've only been in two situations where a church has publicly done it, where they've said, this is, this is why we think this person is not a Christian, at least at the moment. This is what we've done about it. This is what we've called on them to do. They, they've refused to respond. So uh, as a church, we disfellowship them. Um, when it's done well, it's really helpful. But we normally don't have the guts to do it, unfortunately. And uh, it can open you to, to legal charges of libel if you do it and do it badly. Um, that, that makes sense, Laura? Yep, thanks. Yeah, okay. Um, Jeremy's written a question about, is there ever room for talking about unimportant issues? Um, yeah, you feel free to talk about them, but never make them something serious, I think. But never give them more time and energy than they deserve because they'll tend to become divisive. Uh, and so there's some warnings in the Bible, uh, Titus chapter 3, 9 to 10, against the divisive person who wants to find areas of disagreement when we shouldn't be disagreeing. And it, it actually is quite strong warning against that because it's normally to do with ego and pride. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, you can have healthy discussions where uh, you work out why you disagree and you share your reasons, um, but don't let it get more than that is what I would say. Could you have to have like serious discussions about um, things that are unimportant that people are thinking are essential? Like, was that just? Uh, yeah. If so, if we if we disagree on categories, especially if people are making things more important than they are, I, I do need to. We, we might need to have a discussion about it. But it, it's helpful to have the categories because if you're putting them in different categories, that's actually the discussion you've got to have first, not the issue. If you're trying to discuss the issue without working out your difference of which category you've got them in, it confuses the whole thing. So firstly, try and work out whether you can come to agreement on what category that issue fits into. Then you can work out how to have the discussion. Okay, I think we probably should finish because I've got another meeting I need to go to. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for your questions and participation. I hope and pray that's been helpful. And um, the way we did this, uh, except for it's on Zoom, is how we do the Equip Common Hour. So if you've never been to Equip Common Hour and you appreciate this sort of interaction and discussion and the sort of uh, issues that we uh, are able to raise, um, next semester we'll start again, hopefully, in, uh, in person on campus. Um, so look out for that next semester. Thank you. I'm going to close the meeting. Is that okay? Yeah, thanks, Tim. See you later.